0: okay you guys um welcome back to the podcast um honestly I'm just gonna jump right into it because I don't really have an intro or anything I feel like I should get intro music I think that would be great anyway um today what we're talking about is why do bad things happen to good people because I feel like I don't know I've been asked to talk about this a few times and like Honestly, I didn't really know. I was like, yeah, bad things happening to good people isn't fun. But, um, you know, you look in the Bible and you find out why. So, we'll get started on that. Let's see. I have like 17 journals right here. I forgot which one I was looking at. Oh, okay. So, we will start. Why do bad things happen to good people? Um, Okay, so, this sounds, it sounds really discouraging. And I feel like it's going to start out sounding really discouraging. And then it gets better. So stick with it because for a second there, it's going to be like, okay, like I don't even care to hear this. This isn't fun, but it gets better. Um, So honestly, suffering is actually a promise from God. He doesn't tell us that our lives are going to be perfect and easy. Like that's just not what God ever told us. Um, Second Timothy 3.12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Like it is literally a guarantee That we are going to suffer during our lifetimes and i know that's like not comforting but honestly i almost feel like it is because to me i'm like okay well like god told me this was gonna happen you know so it's like it's kind of reassuring to be like this isn't out of the ordinary like i knew this was gonna happen and it's happening you know like he didn't promise it to be sunshine and rainbows and so that's just kind of unrealistic i think but um so i mean (laughs) I don't want to say it's a promise from God, but, like, suffering is, like, we're told we will suffer, and so it's almost like, okay, like, well, I'm living out what God told me is going to happen, so I don't know, I think that's kind of nice to remind ourselves of, at least, is, like, suffering isn't abnormal, like, it happens to everybody, it's part of life, Um, and also, like, okay, so why do bad things happen to good people? The Son of God, like, Jesus, was perfect, without sin, without blame. And he suffered the most of all. Like, imagine being perfect. Nothing you do is ever wrong. And then you have to die for the sin of the world. I'd be, I think I'd be upset by that. I'd be like, why am I having to do this for everybody? I'm perfect. And Jesus didn't feel that way. Um, he was, I mean, he took it, he did it for us. And so I think the pain that we experience on earth isn't contingent upon our arbitrary principle of being good people. like. I think I'm a good person but also I don't think that means that I should never suffer you know what I mean I don't know if that like makes sense or not but like I don't know also like being a good person is like personal standard I think so we could be like oh well I'm a good person so I shouldn't have to suffer well what if the next person thinks they're a good person but you don't think they're a good person So it's like, it's such an arbitrary principle. Like, we don't really have a basis for what is considered good people. You know what I mean? Um. Jesus was holy, perfect, pure, and without fault, and yet he suffered. So I don't think it's reasonable to expect us to never suffer because we're not perfect, holy, and pure, and without fault, you know? So I don't know. I think it's inevitable and it's not, Suffering shouldn't make us discount the love or the mercy of God. Like, we shouldn't be like, okay, well, I'm experiencing pain, so God doesn't love me or God's forgotten about me. Like, that's not what it is um, because he's told us that we will suffer. So it's almost like he's seeing you, you know? So um, I keep going through my notes. This isn't, this isn't super encouraging yet, but it will be. <laughs> um, tragedy is hard, grief is hard, and pain is hard. And when people seek to comfort those that they care about during hard times, I'm sure y'all have all heard this at some point, they say, well, there must be a reason for this. And I think we fail to realize how unhelpful this is until it's said to us in grief. Because the reality is we don't know the reason that God does things. Like, sometimes God does something and we have no explanation for it. And so telling somebody that there's a reason isn't super helpful. Because the reality is, unless you're in the throne room with God, you don't know why he chose to do something. So, that's why Proverbs 3.5 calls us to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because whenever we try to understand why things are happening to us, we're not going to be able to. Like, we just, we can't. Sometimes it's like, so unfathomable compared to what God has in mind or what he has planned or what his goal is behind things. So... Simply put, bad things happen to good people, and we don't have a reason for it. However, we can look in the Bible to better understand what goes on behind the scenes when bad things are happening. And that's what we're gonna do today. <laughs> Yay! I'm sorry, I'm trying to get comfortable. I'm like sitting on the floor, and it's not comfy, so I keep moving around. Anyway. Um, honestly, like, why do bad things happen to good people? Like, looking at the Bible is the only answer that we're gonna get to better understand that, I think because the bible never paints a picture that is inconsistent with our lives like the bible never says anything that doesn't actually happen and so like if you want to know why things happen what if this is normal like should this be happening like look at the bible honestly it never paints a picture that is inconsistent with our lives and our idea like our human idea that good people have earned good things is damaging to our souls because perpetual happiness is unrealistic like God never promised us to be like happy and without without pain for our entire lives. So whenever we think that that's what we need or that's what we deserve, then like it is damaging to our souls because then we're like, now God's let me down. Now God's not fulfilling his promise. Which like, yes, God withholds no good thing. That's true. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't also try us and like put us through the fire sometimes. So anyway, what we're gonna look at is the story of Job. Um, I go to the porch young adult ministry and they talked about this one t- Tuesday night and usually like, Bible stories don't really stick with me. I don't know what it is I just kind of forget them and this one stuck with me and so yeah I don't know also like whenever somebody asked me to talk about this I was like I don't really know what to say all I know is that suffering is promised. Um, and so I was like, well, I can't just hop on and say that. Like, I need a reason. So I, like, started looking, I don't want to say researching, but, like, I started looking into the Bible, like, listening to a few other podcasts, like, trying to come up with, like, like, a basis for what I was going to say. And the story of Job kept coming up. And I was like, you know what? That's so good to use. And I have my notes from the porch. So, perfect. Um, but, so basically, Job has everything. Like, he has he has everything. He's wealthy. He's blameless and upright. It says, this man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Like, that's what we all want to be. Like, that's, that's who we're trying to be. Job was a good person, and he had good things. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. Like Job had it made; he had things going for him, and so Job's Job's doing pretty well for himself. He's doing good. Um, and then one day, the angels come to God in heaven, and whenever they come to God, Satan comes with them. And God's like, "Satan, where you been? Like, what have you been up to?" And he says that he has been wandering the earth; I've been roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And God's like, "Okay." Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge of protection around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So, Satan and God talking, and... Satan's like, Yeah, I've been walking around the earth, like trying to find somebody to, to <laughs> destroy and bring evil to him. And God's like, Oh, like, have you considered Job? Job serves me well. Job is a good person. Job has a lot of things. Like, I've blessed him. And I don't think Job's going to curse me if you take away his things. And Satan's like, Well, of course he's not. Like, or like, of course he serves you. Haven't you protected him? And God's like, Okay, like, <laughs> then the Lord said to Satan, Very well. Everything he has is in your power. But the man himself, do not lay a finger. So God tells Satan that he can destroy everything that Job has. And so the question is, is like, why would, why would God allow Satan to do that? And I think, I put it in my notes, sorry. I think it's because God knew that Job would serve as a symbol of what a good and faithful Christian looks like. He used Job to prove a point to Satan, honestly, that those who believe in God will not curse him, even in distress, because they trust that he's at work on parts of their lives that they cannot see. So, like, God's trusting that Job isn't going to curse him. So, he tells Satan, like, alright, this guy's faithful, how do you consider taking everything away from him? And Satan's like, well, I mean, if you say so, so, in the next chapter, or it's the same chapter, it's still Job 1, um, and Honestly, it takes probably two minutes to read this entire passage. In a two-minute time span, Job loses everything. He lost his 500 yoke of oxen, 500 elkies, 7,000 sheep, his large number of servants, 3,000 camels. All seven of his sons and three of his daughters died. And it takes probably two minutes to read this passage. Because like, every time a servant comes to tell him that like something happened, while they're still speaking, another one comes and tells him that something else happened. Like, Job loses it all. At this, and so then the Bible says, (laughs) at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's room and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Like, that's insane. Can you imagine losing everything and then falling down in worship and praising God? Like, that's, we don't do that. That's not how we are as humans. And so the fact that Job loses everything and then praises God is such a testament of his faithfulness. And I think that's, like, the coolest thing. And so the story goes on. Another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. Same thing, God says, where have you been? Satan says, roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, my boy Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. So then Satan's like, Well yeah, a man will give all he have for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. So previously God was like, Don't lay a man don't don't lay a finger on the man himself. Like, take away everything, but don't harm his health. But Satan's like, Well yeah, like it's because he's still alive and healthy. Like that's why he's not cursing you yet. So God said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. And I remember sitting there at the porch, and when they were talking about this, and I thought the, like, I was like, how cool is it that God's allowing Satan, not, that part's not cool, but, like, God is allowing Satan to take things from Job, but he's still protecting him and what he's allowing Satan to do. Like, he's not letting Satan harm his health at first, and then he's like, okay, like, you can harm his health, but you can't take his life like it seems like job is losing everything that god's just like letting satan literally destroy him but he's not he still has in place like these strongholds to protect his son job like that's really cool i think the fact that god's still at work behind the scenes protecting job and like ensuring that he is safe and that satan isn't taking more than he is allowed to so that's cool to me um so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. So Job's like in agony, like he is afflicted with pain right now. And his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. So his wife's like, you're stupid, (laughs) like literally curse God because he's being horrible to you. And why are you still praising his name? And Job replies, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this, Job did not sin in what he said. I thought that was so good. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Like, so, hey God, I only want good things from you. The second you give me a bad thing, like, I am going to curse your name. That's not right. That's what is that? It's like a symbiotic relationship where like one party is benefited and the other one has no benefit or harm. Like that's not our relationship with God. Like we can't just be like, "Okay, God, only give me the good things and if there's something bad, like I don't I don't want it. I'm only going to accept the good from you." Like shall we accept good from God and not trouble? I think that was so good. So, then Job loses everything. Jobs in pain now. Like he's got these sores all over his body. He's miserable. His three friends come to see him, and because they heard about all the trouble that was upon him, so they come see him. Um, when they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Like, Job is suffering so bad that his friends are like, We're not even going to talk to you. Like, we don't know what to say to you. You are suffering so much that we don't have the words to comfort you. So after this, Job speaks up, he opens his mouth, and he curses the day of his birth. So Job still has yet to curse God. He is not blaming God for what's happening. But, I mean, there's an entire chapter of Job just, like, cursing his birth. Like, every verse is so painful, honestly, to read because it's, like, that's how miserable he is, is that he's like, I should have never been born at all. Oh, damn it. I don't know how to fix the sound on this honestly okay anyway sorry guys i was fixing my live video but the it was static so now i'm done doing that anyway so um joe never curses god curses his birth says i should never have been born why did i not perish at birth and die as i came from the womb why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed like he's I mean there's so many verses he's like I should have just died honestly I should have just died and so then finally his friends speak up there are 28 chapters of his friends trying to comfort him and they do not have the words to say Eliphaz basically tells Job that he must have done something really bad to deserve such a punishment he's like well God punishes those who do bad things, those who sin against him, so you must have done something bad for God to be this horrible to you. But had Eliphaz been in the throne room with God and Satan whenever they were having this, like, discussion, he wouldn't know that it was actually Job's faithfulness and uprightness that led God to offering Job. This, and I feel like this is, like so easy to misconstrue. So it's like, okay, so Job was super faithful. And so God's like, okay, have you considered my faithful servant Job? So then we're like, okay, well then why should I be faithful? Because God's going to offer me up for destruction. But this doesn't mean that being faithful leads to destruction. Just that those who are faithful are the ones who actually survive the destruction. So like bad things come to everybody, not just the super faithful ones, you know? And so it's Job's faith that got him through this, um, which is really cool, I think. But so Job's cursing his birth, cursing God, not cursing God, sorry, cursing his birth, but not cursing God. His friends are trying to comfort him. They're not really able to. Um, and like, Job is a good person, but just because he's good doesn't mean that suffering wasn't brought to him. So at the end of the chapter, um, well, let me see if I have anything else like super important to say. Oh, yeah, this was really cool, I think. So in the story, Job continually praises God, and he doesn't even know that God and Satan are both fighting for his heart right now. Like, Satan is after his heart just as much as God is, and even though God's allowing this to happen to Job, he continually sets parameters for Satan, certain rules that he has to follow, because even through it all, he is caring for Job and holding his life in his hands. Like, that is so kind, that God's still watching out for him and still making sure that he's not destroyed completely, you know? So I think that's just really good to like remind ourselves that like we might be going through pain and suffering and hard times, but God still has our lives in his hands and he still cares about us and is making sure that like there are certain things that he's not allowing Satan to get at us through. Like he still wants good things for us. Um, So all this happens at the end of the chapter, God finally starts talking to Job and Job's like, why, why would you do this to me? Why would you take away everything I have? And God never answers Job's question. I think it's because God knows that in our flesh, our brains are too limited to understand all of the moving pieces. And he's like, all you need to know is that this happened and that I chose for this to happen to you. And like, that's it. Like, you don't need to know the why behind it. So he never answers it. And that just really shows the godness of God compared to our frail humanity. Like he just, he knows so much more than we know and that's why we're called to not lean on our own understanding because we just don't get it and the only thing that we can do is turn our eyes to the lord to make sense of it like when our eyes are turned to the lord then we i don't want to say that we understand why it had to happen but then i don't know i think there's so much more growth to be found in the hard times and when we turn to the lord we grow in him we grow closer to him we learn more about him like like, you don't grow whenever you're comfortable and in the easy times. Like, I've never heard anybody say, that, like, this has been the easiest season of my life and I have learned so much about the nature. Well, that's true, actually. Ignore that. You can learn about God when things are easy. But you grow so much when you go through the hard times. Like, I will stand by that forever. Like, the most growth comes from hard times. And I think that's what God wanted is he wanted Job to grow in his faith, because now Job's being faithful, not because he has everything, but because he has nothing. Like, it's really easy to be faithful when you have everything you've ever wanted, to praise God and be like, God, thank you so much, you are so good, you are so kind, but Job has nothing, and he continues to say the same things. He is still praising God, and worshiping the Lord, and like, so grateful for all the Lord's given him, or all the Lord's taken away. He says, God has given to me, and God has taken away so I don't know I think that's really big like God doesn't want us only to praise him when things are good he also wants us to praise him through the hard times so Job oh this is Job's final words to his friends um this is Job 27 I just want to read it to y'all because I had it highlighted because I thought it was good Um, As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty, who has made my life bitter, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked, and my tongue will not utter lies. I will never admit you are in the right till I die. I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my innocence and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. May my enemy be like the wicked, my adversary like the unjust. For what hope have the godless when they are cut off, when God takes away their life? Does God not does God listen to their cry when distress comes upon them? Will they find delight in the Almighty? Will they call on God at all times? I will teach you about the power of God. The ways of the Almighty I will not conceal. So God saying like what happens to people whenever they don't believe in God and then they're cut off and they're crying out to God? They're like, God, what's happening? Why is this hap- Like, I need you. I need you to come through for me right now. But they haven't been praising God. So it's like, does God listen is what he's saying. And then he says, I will teach you about the power of God. Like, Job is using this as a testament to show his faithfulness and his belief in the Lord and that the Lord will come through and provide and, like, still be loving and kind and then in Job 29 verse 2, he continues and he says, "How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone, shone on my head, and by his light I walked through darkness." So he's saying like God was so good and I long for those days. Oh for the days when I was in my prime when God's intimate friendship blessed my house so he's like he's basically saying like i don't really feel god here with me right now i've been calling out to him he's not answering all these bad things happened like but i will not curse him i don't feel him with me but i will not curse him so then he keeps talking to his friends guys it's like a lot of chapters of him talking to his friends finally the lord speaks the lord talks to job he's basically saying like i'm not going to tell you what i'm doing because you're not going to understand it because your mind is not as my own like I do things that you will not understand. And then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So Joseph saying, you can do all things and your purpose is better than my own your purpose cannot be be I don't understand it but I honor it because there is nothing that you do that is not good and so all of this is happening Job has nothing still like his friends aren't being super helpful his kids are dead he lost all of his servants all of his livestock like he has not a thing and at the end of Job like that's not even what this all of that was like all of it was (laughs) Job losing everything at the very end of the chapter. Like this part isn't even relevant, but it says the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. Like guys, God withholds no good thing Though we suffer now. We will not suffer forever. Like, god wants good for us and so bad things happen to good people that's just like the way of life i don't know how to say it any better like that sounds horrible and it sounds really discouraging but bad things happen to good people bad things happen to people that don't deserve it and it shouldn't happen to them and it's hard and you want to take away the pain and you don't want it to happen anymore but that's just kind of the way that it is and then the lord blessed the latter part of job's life more than the former part Like, Job wasn't expecting that. Job wasn't like, well, it's okay that God took away everything because he's going to give me more blessings than I previously had. Job was just like, I don't know why the Lord is doing this, but I praise him anyway. And then God blessed him. So (laughs) I feel like this didn't really answer the question of why bad things happen to good people, just that it does. And I don't know. All we can really do is praise the Lord through it because sometimes we have to feel pain to know the true beauty of joy without pain, joy becomes commonplace and taken for granted. Like, do you think Job would enjoy all that he had been given had he not lost it all? Like, at the end of his life, whenever he's given more than he even had, he's able to appreciate it so much more because he literally had nothing. So, I don't know. John sixteen thirty three says, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So, I don't know. (laughs) I feel like that's super comforting. Like Jesus is speaking in this and he's saying like, yeah, it's going to be hard. I'm like, I'm sorry, but it will be hard, but be comforted by that because I've already overcome the world. Jesus died to take away all of our pain and suffering. Like he feels for us. He knows what it feels like to be punished, to be mocked, to be scorned, to like be beaten and feel pain. He understands suffering. Like The Bible calls him the son of suffering. Like Jesus gets it. He feels our pain and he serves as a comforter. Like whenever he's comforting us, he really resonates with it. That's the thing is like, you don't want to (laughs) be, I don't, I mean, I don't the same, uh, sorry. I know this is how I am is like, I don't want to be comforted by somebody that doesn't get it because then I'm just kind of bitter. I'm like, you don't understand. So why are you trying to make me feel better? But Jesus does understand. He does feel our pain and he wants to wipe away every tear. Um, I saw something one time that said like tears and pain and suffering are the only way that we, gosh, I don't want to mess it up. Sorry. Let me see if I can find it because it was actually really good. Um, I see things all the time. I'm like, that was good. And then I don't remember it. Okay. This side of eternity is our only chance to worship Jesus through tears, pain, and suffering. This side of eternity is our only chance to actively choose to worship Jesus. In heaven we will have all tears wiped away and we will freely see the beauty of Jesus so we will naturally worship him what a gift it is to be able to choose Jesus even when all we can feel is pain like how honorable is that to be like God I feel nothing but pain right now and I choose to worship you anyway like that that is an act of worship to be like I feel pain and I'm still going to pursue you and love you like that is honorable and that is worship so I don't know i think that's cool that like yeah this side of eternity is the only time we can worship jesus through pain and i think also just knowing that like it doesn't last forever pain and suffering is part of life but it's not it's not all that there is and it doesn't last forever and it will go away um and that jesus provides and comforts through it all i think that's really good because The promises of God can be seen when we look up. Jesus is with us in the mess. He's near and he comforts. And like Jesus knows that it's scary to be us and that it's hard, but he wants to be with us. And suffering doesn't mean that we've been abandoned or forgotten. That's not what it is at all. Because Christ is saying, look up. Look at me. See me. See me on the cross dying for you. Like, I am for you, so who can be against you? Even in the story of Job, God is for Job. And so Satan, yeah, is afflicting pain and like destroying Job's life, but God is for Job. So Satan is not against him because God is for him. God is still protecting him. God is making sure that Satan's not taking what he's not allowed to take. And also I think it's like, okay, well, y'all say, okay, I'm, gosh, sorry guys. I hate when I mess up. Anyway, um, oh, it's like, okay, well, why would, why would God take all of this away from Job? God's not taking it away. Satan is. God's just allowing it to happen. And so I think that's different too, is like, God's not actively destroying Job's life. God's just telling Satan that he can, but he's still protecting Job along the way. So, I don't know. If you take anything from this, just know that, like, the Lord is still good. Bad things happen to good people, and it's kind of inexplicable. We can't explain it, and it's unfair, um, and it's not fun. And sometimes it's like why do I suffer more than the person next to me but I mean as the Bible says comparison is the thief of joy even in suffering you can't compare suffering Um, our brains are so different our upbringings are so different that we were wired to handle different things differently or the same things differently so like something that may be really hard for me could be really easy for someone else and I'm like why am I suffering so bad but the other person went through the same thing and it just wasn't as hard for them or it could be like okay my life's good right now i don't really have a lot of bad things going on and somebody next to me might be losing a loved one and they're like well why isn't she suffering like why is it just me but the reality is this is not ever just you um other people go through hard things too you never know what somebody's going through so like literally just love people well be kind Comparisons to thief of joy, like there's no point to compare, especially when it comes to suffering, because people handle things differently. Something that might be really hard for someone might not be that hard for you, and that's okay. Something that might be really hard for you, might be super easy for somebody else to deal with, and that's okay. You can't compare suffering, and um, so yeah, literally scrap compare comparison. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't bring any fruit to anybody's life ever. So, that's how I feel about that one, um, and. Suffering is kind of inevitable. Pain is inevitable. Grief will probably come to you in your lifetime. And just look up. Look for God. Um, Know that he's the comforter. Know that he, like, Jesus has suffered. He was perfect and he suffered. So why should we expect to not suffer? Like, I don't know. I think we think that we're so deserving of good things, and we are. And God does give us good things. So why should we accept the good and not the bad? I leave you with that. Um, as always, thank y'all for listening. I hope this was helpful to some extent. Um, if not, that's okay. Um, and as always, I'm just so incredibly grateful for all of you. Thank you for listening and have a lovely day.